Welcome to the BCP and Maeve, a podcast that explores the Book of Common Prayer as a manual for living out our lives. My name is Father Tyler Richards, and I am joined here by Father Joshua Nelson and Mother Claire Makins as we continue our journey through the Book of Common Prayer. But friends, another name for this episode could easily be YSR or EQB because it is a Swanee party on the BCP and me today. Good afternoon. Hello. We all do kind of congregate. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're all here. We could probably sing the table grace in three parts and, you know, have that. Have that visceral experience again. When you live when you live together for multiple years in the middle of nowhere, you become close. It doesn't yeah. matter where you live afterwards. That's right. There's always a bind. <laughs> as as we zoom, as we take counsel together on Zoom, Father Joshua has changed his background to the quad next to All Saints Chapel on the campus of Swanee. And we're all a little bit homesick today. Oh, and now we're one. inside uh, All Saints, and now he's yep. just showing off. So, <laughs> oh, and there's Coda. <laughs> it just keeps getting better. Now it's a slide. I know. Well, you know, it's the virtual tour tour of Swanee. There you go. Mm-hmm. So I wipe away the single tear oh, from my eye. So, Claire, Joshua, and I know you well, but. Uh, Tell the rest of the world who you are and what you do and 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 how they're right. going where you are. So um, as Father Tyler mentioned, I met these two at Swanee where we did our seminary degrees. Um, I went to the Church of the Heavenly Rest in Abilene, Texas after seminary and was there for a couple of years. And now I'm the associate rector at the Church of the Holy Spirit in Lake Forest, Illinois. So made quite a long move. Um, And I do all sorts of things here, um, but principally, you know, do a a lot of being in charge of staff and um, working with them and kind of being um, the planner for a lot of liturgies because I love liturgy and I love the Book of Common Prayer. And so it's wonderful to get to play into those strengths. Um, Side note, I'll also be uh, going back to Swanee a little bit uh, in future because I'll be starting the doctor of ministry program in preaching. So uh, really looking forward to that and hoping to entice more people to to join me in that endeavor someday. Uh, But anyhow, that's where my road is leading me these days. I am married to Daniel and we have two boys Cal and James, and they are um, 13 and 11. And so that's me. Oh, and I should mention we have a new dog named Harold, and he's wonderful. That's, you got to remember the canine members of the family. We, all creatures, great and small, right? Yep, our Swanee dog. Hildy is right outside the office door right now, whining her head off. So. <laughs> You're not at the cross right now with that wonderful view behind oh, you? Oh, that's right. Yes. So, Claire, if you were head sacristan at Swanee mm-hmm. for, for your senior year, correct? That's right. That's yeah. right. <clears throat> so so maybe you should take over hosting of this. Uh, <laughs> well, don't forget we have the head of the St. Florian's Guild on this call as well. So, head <sighs> I'm sorry, we have the founder of the St. Florian. Oh, that's correct. Cool. The founder. My apologies. <laughs> Which was the thurifers at Swanee. Yeah, we, we haven't gotten to smoke throwing yet in this podcast, but we will. <laughs> I shall have to practice my curtsy. I forget yes, that I'm indeed. in the presence of nobility here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of throwing smoke, uh, today is the Feast of the Ascension, and so to get us started in our discussion of the Great Litany, uh, I thought that we would pray the Collect for the Feast of the Ascension. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that as we believe your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to have ascended into heaven, so we may also in heart and mind there ascend, 
and with him continually dwell, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So I thought a place where we could start our conversation today would just be our general experience of the Great Litany throughout our lives. Where we encountered it first, what was, you know, what brought that on, what the occasion was. Um, so who would like to start that portion of the conversation? <laughs> well, as, as I've said before, my first Sunday in, in any Episcopal church was the first Sunday of Lent. So, or first Sunday in Lent, I should say. So that's the first time I ever heard the litany. I had no idea what was going on. Um, but I could immediately connected with the litany on a musical level, mm. uh, because when I went back to Ohio and got involved with my own parish here, um, I was the cantor. So, um, I was always the one to lead the great litany, um, as a chant, but never really looked at it far beyond that. Mm. Mm. You know, I think my first experience of the Great Litany was after 9-11. Wow. Um, I, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, but I don't ever remember us doing it. I was at a very broad church growing up, and um, I don't ever remember doing it. But, I, but after 9-11, uh, I remember on my lunch break from work the next day, I snuck down to St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, and I believe that was where I first heard it. Um, I don't think it was chanted that day, though I love it when it is. And then um, there's been a tradition here and also in a previous church of using it the first Sunday of Lent, as you mentioned. And um, last year we were able to uh, chant it in procession, which was lovely. And of course this year we couldn't do that, but um, we still used it. I think my first experience of the Great Litany was my first Lent at Swanee. Mm. Uh, somehow, up until that point, I had never come in contact with it. When when nine eleven happened, I was still a good Southern Baptist, um, and so you know, we had we had plenty of praying to do, but it was not something. Uh, not something like the great litany. Um, and the, <laughs> as, as Father Joshua's cat chimes in. Uh, uh, but I think it was that first, that first Wednesday in, uh, in Lent in Coda, when mm -hmm. we chanted it in procession and did all, all of those ceremonies with it, was the first time I had ever heard it and needless to say that was a profound experience mm -hmm. and obviously it's something that we return to over and over again over our over our um, lives that we live out in the church I think I think the last time I prayed it in a capacity that wasn't as part of a corporate worship setting was uh, during the Capitol insurrection on January the 6th it's one of the times that the litany is appointed to be prayed is during times of great calamity. And there was something about everything that was going on that just led me to believe that praying the litany was the right thing to do then and there and at that moment. And in the age of live streaming, uh, obviously everything ends up online. And so, you know, it was it was something that I got to share with the world that day on a on a day that was uh calling it pretty terrible is a gross understatement, but I think what strikes me the most about the litany is just its power. It, the, the language and, and its, its whole tenor is just, I mean, it just hits you right in the chest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some really beautiful words in here, and I think you look at the Book of Common Prayer and so much of it is beautiful um, and speaks to our souls in a really unique way. And certainly this does. And 
one thing I'm struck by with it is you know, there are certain petitions that will stick out to you and at different moments in your life, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, uh, as I'm looking at it now, I mean, it takes how many pages? I mean, five pages of the Book of Common Prayer, five or six. Um, and it is really a discipline to go through it and stick with it. I'm sure those who sing it will really know this. <laughs> um, but that's not that's not a bad thing. I mean, when we find ourselves on our knees needing the words, you know, so much of what we do as priests is we say the words for people when they need to hear them. Mm-hmm. And we're so lucky to have this with us to to know what to say, um, to lead people in this. But when you don't have the words in a time of great stress and and um calamity, as you said, or disaster, uh, you need, it's, it's almost like not knowing where to land and here's the place to land Mm. and here's something to say, and here's some words that we can use. And to me, it's invaluable to have things like that ready for you. Um, and I really, as I was going through it again, I think it's it's good to go through it again every now and then to see which ones stick out, which ones are are working on you today. Because, you know, as we always said, this kind of reading is formative rather than informational. It's formational, right? It forms right. you. And uh, it certainly does that for me. Now, I don't know if this is exactly what you said, but it's what I heard. Did you say find ourselves on our knees leading the litany or needing the litany? I said said needing, but sometimes we find ourselves leading the litany. (laughs) So, well, in that case also, I was like, did you say needing? And was it N-E-E-D or was it K-N-E-D-D? Hey, there you go. And, well, there is something to be said about that. This is one of those things that you have to kind of work through. Mm-hmm. Right. The great litany is it's not just you don't go at it with a rolling pin. You you get in it with your hands. That's a good point. Or it or it gets in with or it gets into us with both hands. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. we're we're working with it, but it is actually working on us. Do we pray the litany or does it pray us? I mean, that's sort of the the great mystery about liturgies is we're praying them and as we spend, you know, lifetimes with them. They get encoded into our, you know, spiritual DNA. And, you know, as we often say, our praying shapes our believing. And so when we come across these petitions and revisit them and come back to them at various points in our lives, I think the way that we even read the text with its commas and semicolons and periods and everything, the tone, everything changes based on where we've been in our lives. Yeah. That's not something that's peculiar to the Great Litany, but is something that is um, one of the great features of the Book of Common Prayer in and of itself, is that these texts, somehow they remain the same, but they're always dynamic. It's, yeah. a, lot, it, it's a lot like scripture to me. Well, I'm, which is why I'm sure the gospel writers use so much of the Book of Common Prayer in their writing. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that nice of them? Yeah. <laughs> that's why it all sounds the same. Oh, right. Um, I also like from the get-go of the Great Litany how broad it is just in and saying, you know, as clergy, yes, we're meant to look at the uh, the rubrics, which in the modern BCP is just the italicized words and not the red words as it was. But I encourage all the laity to do this as well and to really look at them. Because the very first rubric for the Great Litany is to be said or sung, kneeling, standing, or in procession, before the Eucharist, or after the collects of morning or evening prayer, or separately, especially in Lent and on Regation Days. Like, that's awfully broad. (laughs) It is a right and good and joyful thing always and everywhere and at all times. In any posture, in any form. Anywhere you find yourself, whatever day it is. Sitting on an airplane. Yes. Sitting at breakfast. It would have almost been easier for the framers of the 79 book to write, just pray this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
that would have been. <laughs> it's interesting too where it where it lands in the Book of Common Prayer. If you've noticed, it's after um, the daily office, but it's before the collects start. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this is daily life. This is an important prayer because the other prayers are going to come after it, but this is the prayer. You know, it's it gets precedence. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting it before the collects in a way that I think is really, really neat. And I do think that we're meant to pick something up from where in the book it shows up. So it's it's pretty near the front and before the other things we do, you, you know, it's, it's pretty special, I think. I yeah, and that's one of the things about the architecture of the book as a whole that I really appreciate is that it is designed with with a pattern, with a spirituality, you know, in mind that that even where things are positioned inside of the overall text tells us something about what we should be doing in our daily lives, how we should be praying, um, and giving us the framework on which to build our prayers. You know, I, I think... I think you said it so well when you said when you don't have the words to pray, the Book of Common Prayer sort of provides them for you, um, which is handy when you're left silenced by the scope of your life, when you're mm-hmm. left silenced by something you're going through, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, whether it be something joyful or something terrible or something that you're left dumbstruck. Yeah. Here is a prayer. Well, and it's like you do, we can do this with every single section. So in the daily office, we brought out that um, the first three quarters of it are praise, and then you get to prayer. Mm. It's called morning prayer, but prayer is like at the very end. (laughs) Um, But also that these things come before the Eucharist Mm -hmm. in the way the book is put together because this is the foundation. It's important to have this daily bread before you get the body of Christ. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I was telling y'all before we got started that I was going to reference this book, Living Prayer, one of my favorite, favorite books. And this seems, Joshua, you're really hitting on something that I picked up in this book. It says, um, talking about two people having a discussion and one says, do you know the rhythm of the mass? And the person kind of ignores it. And then the question comes again, do you know the rhythm of the mass? And finally he's like, what are you talking about? I guess I do. What do you mean? And he said, well, you know, then why we can say confession before we receive the body of Christ, before we receive the word. And this is not totally confession, But at the beginning of the Great Litany, there's a lot of have mercy upon us and acknowledgement of our sins and who we are. And um, this book goes on to talk about needing to empty yourself to make yourself available to receive the word, whether it be in the Eucharist, whether it be in prayer, whatever it is, an idea of confession and emptying and acknowledging who we are and what we need before God is really important to then be able to receive the gifts that God would like to give us. And I think that's powerful and, and really apropos to what we're talking about. Um, with the Great Litany, having that be one of the first things that you see here, maybe there's something to that. If you want to receive the, the, the graces and benefits and all the wonderful things that come with praying the rest of the services, maybe we need to live a little bit in that place of lamentation, confession, whatever you want to call it. What you said just totally pulled me out of the Great Litany and threw me back into the Eucharist, and especially <laughs> right one Eucharist, uh, mm-hmm. where this this great phrase comes out. You were talking about emptying of ourselves and, and offering ourselves, the self-ablution that we make during our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. This phrase... And here we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls, and bodies to be a reasonable, holy, and living sacrifice unto thee, humbly beseeching thee that we and all others who shall be partakers of this holy communion may worthily receive the most precious body and blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there it is. <laughs> and to think that that is also coming from a time when the church was doing morning prayer three Sundays of the month and Eucharist once a month. Yeah. That. Yep. So again, the daily office was the foundation for the mm-hmm. Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So, Father Joshua, you told us that you you came up with some history that you wanted to share with us about the litany. So, I think now is a good time as any to to roll that card out. Okay. Um, well, there are litanies, you know, across the scope of the Christian world. Um, there, not necessarily that it comes. Um, age-wise first, uh, but Judaism being kind of our older sister, um, there is a a lesser but still a grand tradition of litanies within Judaism. Usually these are probably coming out of the Middle Ages, um, medieval period, because they're in use today. But uh, the Avino Malakenu, or um, Father King, is this litany that is used at Rosh Hashanah or the New Year and at Yom Kippur, which is the first great feast of the church or uh, of Judaism after Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur being the great supplication, right? So that's what the litanies are meant to be. They're these supplications. Um, there are great musical settings of this. I'm going to push Barbara Streisand into. <laughs> into our podcast for a moment. It is she has the if you look it up, there's one I think she does with um, um the Israeli orchestra, and it's just beautiful, a beautiful setting of the Avina Malekeno. Um, but the phrase that is repeated over and over again will be really familiar to us. It's uh Shema Kolenu, which is hear our prayer, mm-hmm. which once we get into the litany, we're going to be like, oh, okay, that's where that comes from. So it does have this, this Jewish backing. Um, but uh, litany itself is lite, a Greek word. Tyler, do you know what that one means? Not right off the top of my head. Okay. I, I didn't know there was going to be a Greek quiz today. But <laughs> I'm just glad uh, he didn't ask me, actually. <laughs> Lite is supplication. So we come before you and, and, and supplicate. Um, the One of the first major litanies, as we know it today, um, let's see. I've got it like screenshotted. Um, comes from uh, a time with during the reign of uh, Pope Gregory the Great, and the Tiber had flooded, massive flooding, um, which then caused this pestilence and this plague to an epidemic to spread throughout Rome, and everybody's dying. And Pope Gregory. Um, required of the church a litany, a new litany to be said and uh, chanted throughout the streets. And it was very similar to our great litany. It was this, Lord, I come in supplication. Um, I don't know what we've done wrong, but uh, you know, we are sorry of our sins, of our most grievous fault and have mercy upon us and make things better. Um, then uh, they continued, uh, particularly for rogation days, which were, or is today or last week? No, this is this is a rogation week. This is a rogation day, um, where your particular focus is on your community and the fields around you and the harvest and the planting, because there's one in the fall and one in the spring. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and rogation um, processions are a really powerful thing to be a part of. And there are litanies specific to these kind of rogation um, celebrations, but it's also fair to use the great litany as you are out and marking the bonds of your parish out in 
and praying over the community. Um, this is some, it's not just a personal thing, it is a community thing. And then of course, what we have today is straight from the OG himself, Thomas Cranmer. So uh, thanks Cranmer, uh, glad you gave us this exhortation and litany. <laughs> I would just like to point out that this is the only podcast in the church where you're going to get Barbara Streisand and Thomas Cranmer together in the same segment. Yeah. You don't have to pay extra for that. Like, you know, that's no. just something we offer. Um, <laughs> the other, the other OG Marion Hatchett of again, a Swanee connection here. We're always bringing back the Swanee connections. He writes in his commentary on the American prayer book that the litany was the first rite to be published in English in 1544 as a special supplication when Henry VIII was at war with Scotland and France. So you needed some great litany while you were at war with Scotland and France. And so it's, it's kind of interesting to me that the first rite that we have published in English is a litany that we would yeah. then get transformed into the great litany and mm-hmm. precursor. Well, and, and for that particular litany, um, Cranmer pulled from the Sarum Rite, which was the, the Latin use in Salisbury, England, and from Martin Luther's uh, German liturgies, and his <laughs> who I think it's just a little ironic because Henry VIII absolutely hated Martin Luther. So, but uh, if it helped him in his fight with France, sure, whatever. (laughs) Any port in the storm, I guess. (laughs) Poor Henry could never make up his mind about how he felt about the French. Uh, I have no further comment on the matter. Yeah, Um, I was going to (laughs) say, we could really get into that one. Yeah, I, I now live in, in what is known as the old French city because there were 500 uh, French settlers that came to Gallipolis in the 18th century. So we'll leave the French alone for now. Yeah, and the Scottish as well, because I'm in about the most Scottish place ever, definitely, you know, founded and still to this day, there's many of us who have lots of that heritage up here. We love everybody. We're just going to put that out there now. <laughs> Some somewhere Dr. King is wondering where the milk is for his tea. Um, oh no. <laughs> so um as uh, as we transition out of this sketchy part of the podcast into something a little more formational, um I thought we would just dive into the meat of the Great Litany itself mm-hmm. um and just talk about some of some of the language, some of the petitions. Uh, that we find there in in the litany itself. So I, I you know, just it, for those of you who are playing along at home, we're on page 148 in the Book of Common Prayer, or you can also find this online at uh, the bcponline.org um, under its own heading, the Great Litany. And so we begin with this, with really this strong invocation where we, where we invoke the individual persons of the Trinity, but then address the Trinity as a whole, asking, as I think you pointed out, Claire, asking for God's mercy. And if we think about it, this is, this is setting the tone for what we're doing with the litany in and of itself is calling out to God for God's assistance to come to us and to help us in our time of trouble that we find ourselves in. Uh, We see God the Father addressed as creator, God the Son addressed as redeemer, and the Holy Spirit addressed as the sanctifier, which of course reminds me of the prayer of commendation from the burial rite. I don't have that language pulled up in front of me, but we were required to memorize it at seminary. Depart, O Christian soul, out of this world in the name of God the Father who created you, God the Son who redeemed you, God the Holy Spirit who sanctifies you. It's, and it, it also reminds me of that great line, in the midst of death we are in life, and it just, you know, 
another one of those places where the prayer book just kind of sews it all together in sort of a seamless coat. So we, we invoke, we invoke the Trinity. And then this, this great prayer that almost strikes me is, is confession. Mm-hmm. Remember not Lord Christ, our offenses, nor the offenses of our forefathers, neither reward us according to our sins. Spare us, good Lord, spare thy people whom thou hast redeemed with thy most precious blood and by thy mercy preserve us forever. Which is what the language that we're going to find in um, prayer one, in right one. Right. For the Eucharist. I, you know, that spare us, good Lord, spare thy people. When you get to that and you're doing this together, there's something really powerful about pleading with God, which is, I mean, you're, you're pleading and you're on your knees. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty intense moment, but it's really powerful because it really is telling us we have desperate need of God. We, we desperately need that. And um, so it's, you know, to, to actually put yourself in the place of saying it, we may think it every now and then, but my goodness, it's powerful. Well, and it almost harkens back all the way back to the story in Genesis when Abraham is is pleading with God not to destroy all of the people, you know, and yeah. saying, if I can find 30, if I can find 20, if I can find 10, pleading with God to have mercy. I mean, mm-hmm. even the scriptural antecedents are there for it. Definitely. And then we have... We have all of the deliverances that this is what I'm talking about with the discipline to stick with it. Look at all that. <laughs> I mean, we don't have the detestable enormities of the Bishop of Rome anymore, but we've we have all evil and wickedness, blindness of heart, inordinate and sinful affections, false doctrine, heresy, and schism. Good Lord, deliver us. I mean, and that's not even the whole page. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the point that it is not just the spiritual side of things, but also the physical. We move into from lightning and tempest, from earthquake, fire and flood. Uh, Here we go. From plague, pestilence and famine. Yep. Everybody get your gasoline lately. (laughs) Right. Yep. Well, and even... I'm go sorry, ahead. Claire, I cut you off. Go, you go nope. ahead. I think you're going to hit on something first and so go for that. And then I'll. Well, in talking about the, the temporal side of things, oppression, conspiracy, rebellion, violence, battle, murder, mm-hmm. dying suddenly and unprepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you turned on the news today? Right, right. It's, it's very timely, this. <laughs> Maybe we should be praying it more often right now. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't help but but read those words and and think about you know what the last you know five months have been like mm-hmm. and what the last at least here in at least here in Green Bay what the last three weeks have been like. We've, we've had we've had a lot of shootings here. We've had a lot of violent crime break out here. Um, I think about what's going on in in um, in the Holy Land right now with yeah. another outbreak of violence between Israel and Gaza and Hamas. Mm-hmm. You know, and even as we were celebrating, even as we were celebrating a mass for the Feast of the Ascension today. I couldn't help but see those places in Israel and thinking about the place where Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father and what's going on there today. Right. And thinking to myself, good Lord, deliver us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking up to the sky to see Christ disappear within the clouds or looking up to the sky and watching a a rocket blast overhead. Mm -hmm. And this comparison of the two antithetical things Mm -hmm. and our pleading that god would not leave us comfortless you know that you know jesus ascends to heaven and his promise is that 
you will send the Holy Spirit and that we won't be alone. And that even though we're still have to be in the world, that he will not abandon us, you know, even though he's not bodily with us. And that's, I mean, in times when you're praying this, you're often wondering where is God in the midst of these things? So, um, I'm also reminded that we're bound in a lot of, of hope, even in the midst of this, but again, we need the words to say when things like this come up. Just something happened, Father Tyler. <laughs> no, I, I I was just taking in what 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 Claire was saying. You know, it it our supplications that we offer are also not said into the vacuum of space. Mm-hmm. Not just spoken out loud into large rooms. That we're not just praying through our own power, but we're praying through the power of the Spirit working out with working out inside of us. You know, and so that part of God that dwells within us calls back to that part of God that that dwells outside of us. And if I mean, I, I just even if you're not praying it as an act of worship, I, I can't help but encourage folks to read through this and ask yourself, is there is there not a time in my life when I have felt these very same things that I needed deliverance from? I mean, even even if, you know, even if your time of tribulation was, you didn't know if you were going to pass that math class or not. Now, I've had much fear and trembling over math classes. That is a tribulation that is that is real to me. Even if, you know, my, even if your blindness of heart hasn't been a big issue for you, there's still been a time in your life when you've suffered from pride, vainglory, and hypocrisy. And if you haven't, Talk to me because I need to know how you're pulling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, good Lord, deliver us. Mm -hmm. So uh, these, these deliverances that we're praying, you know, all of us, no matter the station that we hold in life, we have those things that we need to be delivered of those things that afflict us internally, but also those things that afflict us externally and asking God to pull us out of those things. Uh, and and if we are constantly reminded that we pray this not of ourselves but within the spirit, that it goes back to those first rubrics that this is very broad. We are not held bound by these small supplications, but because we pray in the spirit, the spirit itself cries unto God in size too deep for words. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to find ourselves in those places here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as it's written in the prayer book, they're nice little paragraphs, but in the space between those paragraphs, the Holy Spirit comes and says, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. I love that. And I love that that speaks to how well God knows us. (laughs) And I guess, you know, there's, there's more as we go on in this and we see the, the petitions changing every now and then. Um, I think to keep it from getting rote and from keeping us to keep us from not paying attention and to make it more poignant, we've got some changes in the, in in the petitions. (laughs) And I think it always shakes people out a little bit when we're changing from good Lord, deliver us to we beseech thee to hear us, good Lord. And the other things that come. Um, well, I love, there's always that spot that we, <laughs> that you get half the congregation saying, we yes. beseech thee to hear us, good Lord and good Lord, deliver us all at the same time. Yes. And it's okay. <laughs> yes. I was, I was teaching a class Last night, um, I'm actually teaching a class on the Book of Common Prayer for my congregation at this right. at this time, and we were talking about how um, how you know in the daily office we pray a lot of the same things, you know, day in and day out. We're doing our daily duty. See our previous episodes for that. 
But one of the things that you just said, Claire, reminded me of something that um, that Mother Julia Gata says um, in her in her book Life in Christ, and I'm trying to find it. Um, she talks about she talks about the need for two kinds of prayer. There's the prayer that we do in public, and then there is the prayer that we do privately. And she points out in her book that if all we ever pray is the liturgical prayers, then we will find that our our prayer life becomes dry and becomes un, unfulfilling. And it's interesting that you you point out that that tension that in in this litany there are places where it's just different enough that it pulls us out of the roteness mm-hmm. that we have to come back into the prayer and actually pay attention and engage in the changes that are happening inside of the text. Um, yeah. This and, and the changes that occur and even the, the change in, in the tenor of the prayers. Mm-hmm. Like we go from, we go from good Lord, deliver us to beseeching God. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have the etymology of the word beseech, but I can, I can think of all of my period peace movies that I've watched where the, the peasant or the supplicant comes forward to the king and says, I beseech thee to hear me, O, o king, or something like that. And to that, to me, that's more than just making a general ask. You know, that's not, could you hand me that glass of water? You know, there is something in it in in beseeching that is a little more than just, you know, if you don't mind. Well, here's your local etymologist. <laughs> um, beseech verb first of all uh, circa 1200 besecken to entreat beg urgently from the old English besecken or to beseek so yeah there's something more um, in the now there's something more urgent to beseeching than just hear us you know, as I was reading through this and I, you know, noted the change and then I was looking at the petitions, the one that just hit me the hardest is where um, it says that it may please thee to forgive our enemies, persecutors and slanderers, and to turn their hearts. So this is not all about us. Um, this is also about praying for those who we feel our enemies or people who have wronged us or um, if we're in war, you know, obviously we have a clear enemy, but kind of, that kind of caught me up short. And I thought, Oh, and I thought, how, um, how sincere could I be in praying that? And anyway, it's, it's a really good question. I think there's so many different sides of so many different things right now. There's so many dichotomies and, divisions and whatnot that, um, you know, maybe that's one that we, any one of these, you could take out and sit with it for a while. But this one, this one is just really caught me up short. And I thought, okay, I, that's, um, you know, of course it's the right thing to do. Of course it's the right thing to do and pray for that, right? It's the right thing to do, but wow. I'm glad that the the words are there for us to pray. They, they put those words in our mouths. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, because it's really easy to put it to the back of our mind and say, nope, 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 not going to do it. Not going to do it. Um, I don't really know where to go to with it, but I do want to lift up the very next one um, because I have a feeling that there will be some questions about it. Um, it's the, that it may please thee to strengthen us as do stand to comfort and help the weak-hearted, to raise up those who fall, and finally, to beat down Satan under our feet. Yeah. What do we do with that, Father Tyler and Mother Claire? With which part? 
It's so I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> the the difficult part, the uh, beat out Satan under our feet. And I don't think it's a bad thing to pray. I don't think it's such a bad thing to pray because I mean, hey, let's be honest, we're all tempted a lot and um we're we live in the world. And so obviously I've been preparing for the sermon this week, but you know, we're in the world, so Satan's around. So yes, why why shouldn't we why shouldn't we pray for that? Um I I'd definitely like to I mean to beat down Satan under our feet, heck yeah, you know. It, Let's do it. That's <laughs> kind of how I feel about it. But we need, this is not something that we can do on our own, of course, um, on our own strength. It reminds me of that great medieval cartoon where you see, where you see Mary grappling with the devil. <laughs> There's an angel who just happens to be standing nearby holding the baby Jesus while <laughs> Mary's giving the devil what's right. for. I mean. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, like that, that is beating Satan down under our feet in a way that is visceral for me. Yes. Mom's going to pass Jesus off while she beats the stuffing out of the devil, like full marks. <laughs> I'm all for it. Here, here, hold my beer. I mean, my son. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I was thinking. So I'm glad you said it, not me, but hold my baby. <laughs> well, and I think another way for people to look at this to be done Satan under our feet. Satan come is, of course, Hasatan, the mm-hmm. accuser. Mm-hmm. And it's that little voice in the back of your head that says, you can't, you're too weak to do this. Mm-hmm. You're not strong enough to stand. Uh, what are you thinking? And to beat that away from us. Yeah. To get that voice out of our head. Um, and then to not hear Hasatan, but mm-hmm. to hear the Holy Spirit. Mm -mm. yeah that's good when when people hear when people hear the name satan they often think of the guy in red pajamas with horns and a pitchfork and a viper (laughs) tail and they don't think about that nagging voice the back of your head that tells you that you're less than you are or that you're somehow unbeloved of god Mm -hmm. because of who you are or where you've been or what you've done or all of those million things that still cannot separate you from the love of God. That's, that's why we, you know, that's, that's what we fight against is the voice that says, how could anybody, including God, love you? Let's yeah, here's, that here's, another, here's another plug. If you want to have a good companion to the great litany, look at um, C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters. Amen. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. And I think to going back to the idea of um, needing to clear things out of ourselves, you know, um, there's a, a, a poem that says, you know, um, we're all replete with very the, like we're full of our, ourselves, our, our thoughts and, and all the things that plague us. And clearly Hasatan, you know, the, the little, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You know, what are you thinking? All of that, clearing that out, um, asking God to empty us is a huge part of being able then to move forward in life. So these sorts of things, asking God to help us, you know, trample Satan under our feet. (laughs) Well, why would we, you know, we need to get that out of our minds so that we can then focus and center ourselves spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's often that voice that prevents us from from hearing the voice that we need to hear, mm-hmm. the, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Yep. I the other thing I love about this section of of the beseeches we've moved from the deliverances to the beseeches <laughs> is that the tone of the petitions change. It, it changes so vastly. So when we're, when we're back in asking God to deliver us, by and large, it's all of these negative forces that we're dealing with. Heresy, schism, oppression, conspiracy, sinful affections, deceits of the world. And then at the turn, 
we ask God to illumine all bishops, priests, and deacons, that God would bless and keep all of God's people, that God would send laborers into the harvest and draw everyone back into the love of God, that that we would please it would please thee to give all people increase of grace to hear and receive thy word and to bring forth the fruits of the spirit. I want to just take that one out and just put it on my dashboard. That way when I'm driving around in Green Bay and people cut me off in traffic circles, <laughs> I can just read that and go increase of grace, bring forth fruits of the spirit. We beseech thee to hear us. And you can still you can still do that by rolling down your window and shouting it at them. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very priestly sort of thing to do, rather than something else. Well, uh, I think in our first or second year of seminary, Ashton and Tim and I went to the monastery in Alabama, and we're told that uh, by one of the monks that he was giving a ride to one of the visiting priests or bishops or something, and they were driving in Atlanta, which we have all driven in Atlanta. And um, somebody cut him off and he looked at the the monk who was in the passenger seat and said, I need you to take the wheel. I'm sorry, I need you to take the wheel. I'm about to give him a special blessing and I need to cover up my collar. That's reminding me of a different story in which you were in the car with me, Father Joshua. <laughs> so so having the great litany there on hand is not a bad idea. <laughs> in in the class I was teaching last night, we were we started talking about the uh, devotions for individuals and families uh, that are another option for the daily office. And we talked about how those are so short that you can often commit those individual devotions to memory. I think that, you know, taking a few of these petitions at a time and committing them to memory uh, may also help us establish a pattern of life, mm-hmm. you know, as we think about the practical applications of, you know, that it may please thee to give us a heart to love and fear thee and diligently to live after thy commandments. You know, as we yeah. have a t- have we, as we too are tempted to cover up our collar sometime <laughs> and shake our fist at the guy next to us. Well, you know, one thing about the Book of Common Prayer that I love so much, I've been really fortunate that I'm a cradle Episcopalian, so this this liturgy has been with me my whole life. You know, my whole life I've heard this, and um, it's been prayed over me, and I've prayed it, and. There are times when things, phrases come to mind and it happened before seminary. So this is not just because I'm a priest, but Mm -hmm. because I've lived with this for a long time, some of those prayers and phrases that are in here come back to you at times when you really need it. And then you go, where did that come from? You know, I remember I read that somewhere. Where was that? And of course it's, you know, often Oh, I read it in church. Okay, book of common prayer. But we say these things enough. I know people think, oh, it gets rote, it gets boring, whatever. It's also something that it's deepening into your soul so that someday when you need it, it comes right back up, you know, and that's that's a powerful thing. Um, I haven't experienced it driving in traffic, though I have to say that hasn't happened yet. You well, live on the northwest side of Chicago now. It will. <laughs> it may, uh, don't worry. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. <laughs> or just take the train, you know. <laughs> Do you know, side note, very side note, because of COVID, I have not taken the train yet, but someday I will. Really? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great experience. I love riding the train in Chicago. Not just the L, the actual commuter train. That's actually a lot of fun. Yep. I like trains though. Uh, this sequitur brought non sequitur brought to you by Amtrak, so. <laughs> or the Metra. Brought to you by the Department of Department of Transportation. <laughs> Infrastructure Week on <laughs> me and me. <laughs> There's I speaking mean, of <laughs> yeah. Speaking, uh, of speaking of, isn't the next one 
I, we're missing it now. Tyler, you've moved it, but uh, sorry. Praying specifically for one that is not from the OG Thomas Cranmer, but um, praying specifically for, uh, if it may please thee, so to rule the hearts of thy servants, the President of the United States, mm -hmm. and all others in authority, that they may do justice and love mercy and walk in the ways of truth. I know this is one that I kind of slowed down and let hang off my tongue when I was praying it on January 6th. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not the OG Thomas Cranmer, but it is the OOG, the prophet Micah, that we pray that they would do justice, love mercy, and walk in the ways of truth. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, getting maybe not maybe not Thomas Cranmer's prophetic side, but the actual prophet's prophetic side, uh, yes. and may that continue to be our earnest prayer for all of those in authority, not just here, but abroad, you know, yeah. And, uh, uh, a lot of world leaders need a lot of prayer right now, uh, not yeah. just domestically. Mm. And it, it ties in so nicely with the second one or the one after that, may it please thee to make wars to cease and all the world to give to all nations, unity, peace, and concord, and to bestow freedom upon all peoples. Those two are almost intrinsically linked because in order for you to have those things, God has to rule the hearts of God's servants. And I love that that's, that's rather an audacious prayer. I mean, that's really pretty asking for the moon sort of prayer, but I kind of love that we do because it acknowledges our belief that God is powerful enough to bring these things to bear. Um, and um, we know that, that, most likely will not happen in our lifetime, but that doesn't mean that we don't pray for it. Mm. We don't hope for it. So however audacious it may be, you know, pray boldly. Well, there you go. I've heard, I've heard a phrase used sometimes when we've, when I've been asked to pray fervently for a thing to, to storm the throne room of heaven, which is a little bit, aggressive for me uh but another way of saying just pray 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 for that kind of thing and and you know be anxious about nothing i think saint paul writes uh, and yeah. <laughs> so you know uh, well, saint, come on paul get to 2021 uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry uh it it does remind me that yesterday I had a couple meetings with um, some community members and, and funeral planning and things that are kind of hard. And the woman I was meeting with for my later meeting, I'm looking out my office window and she gets out of her car and she goes around to the red doors, mm -hmm. like to the front doors of the church. And I wait a little bit and then I call out her name and she comes around to where to the office side of the of the parish and I said, oh, that, that door's a bit audacious for my office. <laughs> but the same time, there's a little voice in the back of my head going, but isn't that your office? Mm -hmm. like, Oops, yep, okay, it's not all, okay. <laughs> it's a different desk, there's some different windows. Oh, but yeah, I should have started there today. Mm. Well, that's a two-level drama you've got going on there, Father Josh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's your office, but it's also your office. Yeah. Oh. But, but so, so to storm the doors of the throne room of heaven, we get a, a physical representation of that, and we are freely welcome to do so. <laughs> we just have to remember to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when we think about it in the consecration of our bishops, you know, they come to the doors of the cathedral with their crozier in hand and they pound on the doors of the church. And it's, you know, that's a pretty powerful statement. You yeah. Know, demanding to be let in and to be heard. Uh, everything has its antecedents, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So what else, what else shall we beseech of each other to say about this, this great liturgy? 
Anything else that's jumping out for us on the page? Well, I think, you know, as we go towards the end of it and we get to Lord have mercy upon us, Christ have mercy upon us, Lord have mercy upon us. And then you see what follows after, you know, we go right back to the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, of course we pray this prayer a lot and in many different places within the prayer book, it shows up, but I like that it, it pulls us back to focus on what Jesus's words are to us. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of powerful to pray this after you've prayed all of those petitions mm. and, you know, didn't we cover everything well? And then you get to this and it, it's again, what a beautiful prayer we have that really does encompass so much of what we're asking for. It's right there. Jesus taught us about it. We're just expanding on what he gave us, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's riffing. It's riffing off of what Jesus gave us, you know, expanding it out so that it's, you know, we have a, a broader picture of, of the basics. Right. Well, speaking of a broader picture, if you scroll down to the next page, things we only say in the 21st century, uh, <laughs> we have then the supplications, which broadens it for us even more. For use in the litany in place of the versicle and collect, which follows the Lord's prayer, or at the end of the morning or evening prayer, or as a separate devotion, especially in times of war, or of national anxiety, or of disaster. And there are some things that are repeated here, but it also, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not really a dessert, but it's kind of like a, a palate cleanser after a meal. <laughs> or when you get a, like a, that warm towel or something, after a meal on an airplane and it kind of brings us back um, with, or with like with a summary of what, of what we've just done. Yeah. It, it it's the piece de resistance is the word, the phrase that you're looking for. There we go. <laughs> As we come back to the French. Uh, <laughs> it always comes back to the French. Um, you know, and I, I think you're right. Um, you, you do get, you do get this final, final summary in the supplication. This is the place that this has been leading us, has been pushing us towards is this, and you see it in the first, the first petition in it. Oh Lord, arise and help us. That's what we're asking for. You know, oh God, make speed to save us. It's, you know. It, it, another fulsome way of saying that. It's also great that you have this if the full litany really isn't something you can do at the moment, but you need mm. some words and you need something. And um, I imagine that many people in times of distress could go to this and still, you know, oh Lord, arise and help us is. Um, you know, it, it, in, that alone, <laughs> just give me that prayer. And supplication I'll on 150, what's that? The supplication on 154 and 155 really could be put like on a business card and laminated yeah. and kept in your wallet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the last prayer, the very last prayer of all of this, it says, um, uh, that in all our troubles, we may put our whole trust and confidence in thy mercy. Which is, we've given it all to you. We've laid it all out. And Lord knows, we've told you all these different ways we need your help. But now we really do trust and put confidence in you. I like that it ends that way. That's, I think it's really important. Because it's it's like, we've gone through all the bad stuff. We've named it all. We've listed it all. We know how in trouble we are. And it's like, but don't forget, put your trust and confidence in God. Well, and, and 
And even the prayer itself leaves it right there. It, it says that we may put our whole trust and confidence in thy mercy. And that's a comma, but, you know, you could also start a new sentence there. May we evermore serve thee in holiness and pureness of living to thy honor and glory. I'm giving this to you. I've put my whole trust and confidence in you. And so I'm turning the page, God. I'm going to keep, you know, uh, serving you in holiness and pureness of living. I'm going to keep trying to do what it is that I said that I would do. And just keep rolling. It's it is a turning of the page. It it yeah. is a it it is a reset, sort of. Mm-hmm. In as much as any of us have you tried turning it off. Say again. Have you tried turning it off and back on again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In as much as any of us are capable of leaving something at the at the feet of Christ, mm-hmm. you know this is right. certainly certainly a way for us to at least try and, and taste that idea. You know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give this to you, God, and I'm going to pray that I believe what I say that I believe. Right. Right. Oh Lord, I believe help my unbelief. <laughs> help us thou my unbelief. Well, we've, we've come all the way through the litany and we find ourselves here at the end. And, uh, I, you know, I always appreciate these, these conversations. I appreciate these times, especially when we get to have conversations with, with people who are doing the work with us, but even more, especially when we get to do this with people that we were formed with. And Claire, it has has been a pleasure to have you on board today. Uh, Thanks. It's been so much fun to see you guys and to get to talk. And it's wonderful to have a Swanee group back together again. There's something so special about that. Thanks for inviting me. We, uh, and, and you also have the dubious distinction of being the first and we, the first we hope of many female voices that we have. All right. (laughs) So we, we started with the best. So we're going to go from here. Uh, well, thanks for inviting me. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I was I was trying to think if there was a, a special Swanee kind of prayer that we could pray together. Uh, I kind of feel like we should start singing the alma mater, but <laughs> you have to stamp your foot, and we I don't have a good way to do that right now. And that that wouldn't do at all. So instead, I would I would just say. To sum it up, behold how good and how pleasant it is there when we dwell together in unity. Amen. There you there go. EQB. So, my friends, may the peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with also you. With you.